Uh, good morning and welcome. If I can just put a, uh, another reminder uh, before you uh, regarding tonight, uh, we're having a special guest speaker come in, uh, Dr. Gary Bates from Creation Ministries International. Um, you will be blessed. So I encourage you, turn off your TVs and get out of your gardens. Come out. Come out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Let's turn our Bibles to Revelation 18. Revelation 18. We're going to read there through uh, 19.6. You know, I'm always amazed at how much the Holy Spirit coordinates the message with the music. Because Cheryl and I don't do that. Uh, maybe, maybe they do that in some places, which is not wrong, it's fine. But uh, I kind of, uh, I leave that department up to her, and uh, I've got plenty to keep myself uh, occupied and busy. But it's just interesting how the Holy Spirit coordinates themes. You know, a certain theme that we're looking at in Scripture, it seems to come out uh, in the music, and certainly that's uh, as it was this morning. And so, uh, let's read here. <clears throat> Revelation 18.20, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We've got a stack of Bibles back there, and one of the ushers will get one in your hands. <clears throat> so John writing says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. And then a mighty angel took of a stone like a great millstone, threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence that great city, Babylon, shall be thrown down, shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, musicians, and flutists, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman or any craft shall be found in you anymore, and the sound of mil the millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, and for by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. And after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are your judgments, are his judgments. <clears throat> because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants that was shed by her. And again they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Alleluia. And then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And as I heard, and as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. You are wonderfully omnipotent all-powerful. And Lord, we want to thank you especially that not are you only those things, but you are you're the God of love, the God who is love. You're the God of mercy and grace. You're the God of all good things that has ever touched our lives or any human being. And Father, you're still doing that today. For as we read about this terrible time in the future, Lord, this time of judgment, Lord, today is a day of grace, a day of mercy, a day of your kindness, Lord, and we praise you for your faithfulness, Father. You've been faithful to each and every one of us over and over again this very week. And Lord, we are here this morning, Lord, to adore, to worship, to praise you, to fellowship together. 
And Lord, we're here to get today also, Lord, to study these passages of Scripture. Because we know that, Lord, in our study of Scripture, that, Lord, you speak into our lives. You speak your truth. And I pray, Father, that this morning that our hearts would be open and receptive. Lord, you're always saying, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. Lord, for you are ever speaking. And Lord, we pray this morning, for Lord, we know that you know, you know us through and through. Lord, you know our difficulties today. You know our issues today. You know our problems. You know our joys. And we commit ourselves afresh to you. Lord, also as we come to give thanks at the communion table, we pray that even as we read these scriptures, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts. Lord, minister to us, we pray. And we pray that, well, Lord, in our attitude, that we would minister to you. For, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. We give, the, give you this time now. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As you take uh, note of that particular title, if that uh, brings anything to your attention, uh, the inspiration of that came from a song that was written um, back in 1971. A guy by the name of Don McLean uh, wrote that song, and it was very cleverly written. Um, I don't know of any other song in rock and roll um, that had as many lyrics. And they were so cleverly written uh, that a lot of people, it's basically many people have tried to explain and interpret the song over the last 40 years. And many people believe it's the, the history uh, of American music up to that point from the 1950s and the 1960s, sort of a, um, you know, an anthology, so to speak, of rock and roll. Uh, but also, too, when you, whenever you speak about you know, rock and roll in that sense, uh, you're speaking about the culture and what the culture you know, experiences and goes through because music is simply the expression of what's taking place within our lives. And a few verses in that uh, song that the author wrote really grabbed my attention. And I wanted to read them to you. Uh, a long, long time ago, I still can remember how that music used to make me smile. And I knew that if I had a chance that I could make those people dance. And maybe they'd be happy for a while. But February made me shiver <coughs> with every, every paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride. Something touched me deep inside the day the music died. Did you write the book of love, and do you have faith in God above, if the Bible tells you so? Now, do you believe in rock and roll? Can music save your mortal soul? And the last uh, verse I'd like to read is, I met a girl who sang the blues, and I asked her for some happy news. She just smiled and turned away. I went down to the sacred store where I had heard that music years before. But the man said that the music wouldn't play. And in the streets, the children screamed, lovers cried, and the poets dreamed. But not a word was spoken. The church bells were all broken. And the three men I admire most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they caught the last train for the coast the day the music died. And this is reading this. I think it's sort of a testimony, if you will, about many Americans. About many Americans who perhaps maybe had a, a, a certain degree of faith, but they migrated away from that faith or circumstances intervened in their lives. And this is so often the case. I see this not only with maybe the average deist American, but I even see this with Christians sometimes. Uh, that circumstances come into their life and so disrupt their faith. Uh, you know, when he speaks about, uh, uh, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost leaving, uh, catching the last train, you know, for the coast. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of reminds me of, with many people, it seems like that in their life, is as if God left them. Uh, that if, you know, that, you know, they had this one sense of God, you know, at work in their life, uh, but he is not there anymore. Uh, he's, he's simply, you know, he's, he's, he's out of town. 
Uh, and I think that, you know, sometimes people that grow up in churches or have Christian influence in their life, certain negative circumstances come along in their life and just sort of wipe out their faith to some particular degree. And, and when that happens, really, not only does the music die, but the life dies because he is the life. We were seeing that this morning. He is the way, you know, the truth and the life. And with really, without him, what music do we really have? You know, we, uh, there, there's a lot of music that takes place, you know, in our world today. But, you know, music is interesting because it was designed uh, and intended to bring God glory. <laughs> and whenever it's sort of, you know, twisted and inverted uh, in its attempts to bring men glory and people glory, look what it does to their lives. L look what's happened to so many, you know, individuals, you know, that have... Uh, you know, been in that particular industry. Look at the devastation, the destruction that has taken place, you know, in their life, and in their experience, because God wasn't in their life. They weren't giving the glory and the honor and the, and the, and the worship to him. Now, as we look back here in our chapter at verse 8, all this comes down in one day. Uh, we, have, we, we see it, uh, an, an emphasis on that, all coming down, uh, all commerce stops. There's no more singing uh, there's no more music. Uh, there's no more light. There's only darkness. All the weddings have been canceled. You know, that may sound to many of us like science fiction, but the fact of the matter is, you know, if we disbelieve what the Word of God says, uh, there's a price to be paid. Uh, that, that is true. Uh, you know, when we ignore the Bible, when people don't see the relevance of the Bible or something that they may read uh, that seems so utterly fantastic, I think there's a lot of Christians today that believe that miracles don't happen. That's what can happen to the, you know, to the heart you know, of a saint, of a person who has put their faith in him because of the circumstances of their life and things maybe not go good for a period of time, sometimes a long period of time. Uh, there's a diminishing in our trust and our faith you know, in God and what he can do. And, and when, you know, when faith dies, in a sense, the music dies. You know, the light dies out of our life. The most important thing in your life no matter wherever you may be led, uh, is, is faith and trust in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what He and He alone can do. Because that's the impetus behind life. You know, everything else is just uh, oftentimes a, uh, a mere shadow of life. But when we have faith and trust in Him, He will guide us. He will do, he'll be able to guide us. He'll be able to direct us. Because if you don't have faith... Uh, you're not really plugged in for his leading and his guiding, and you're just kind of, you know, you're just kind of guessing. And so it's very important. And so what we see here in verse 20, uh, this, this rejoicing, uh, you know, the holy apostles and, and, and the prophets. Um, and, and it says basically uh, there, because God has avenged you on her. Now, here we begin with a, with a contrast. The earth is very sullen. Heaven here is basically rejoicing. But they're not rejoicing at the destruction. They're basically rejoicing that finally justice has been served. You know, sometimes I watch these, uh, uh, these mysteries when, you know, some, some uh, it was just on the news actually uh, last night uh, uh, about this, this young gal from the Midwest. She's missing. Uh, and oftentimes you watch these kind of mysteries and so forth on TV, and you watch the brokenhearted family and parents and loved ones of what happened as maybe somebody was kidnapped. Uh, and and they're, they're hoping, not only hoping for return, but when they find out uh, that their loved one met their demise, they're hoping for some kind of justice. And there's many people in our world today, they're hoping you know, for justice in their life to, in some way, in some degree. And so that's what we find rejoicing here. Not rejoicing at the devastation or the destruction, all that, but that finally, you know, this wicked system uh, that the uh, Bible's been telling us about here, Babylon. And it's not just, in a sense, one person or one city. Uh, it, it's a very comprehensive, you know, evil system uh, that has been, you know, at work in our world for thousands of years. Um, and it's only because that is finally put down we find that there will be rejoicing because the, the, the return of Jesus Christ will be very soon. I'll tell you what, the world's going to be, and praise God, a very different place uh, when Jesus Christ is on his throne in Jerusalem. I don't think we can even imagine it. I, I don't think that we can fully grasp and imagine what it's going to be like you know, when Jesus is, is, is ruling and reigning. But we're going to rule and reign with him. Uh, it's going to be an awesome, awesome time uh, to be in the place that you and I are going to be. 
And that's why it's important, dear friends, that we serve him and honor him and live for him now. Because that, we talked about this before, that's going to basically, our, our faithfulness to him now is going to determine where we serve him in that kingdom. And uh, uh, I, I think it's important because uh, a lot of times we're, well, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that till it's here. No, you need to think about that. We need to think about that kingdom that's coming. We need to think about being faithful. We need to think about living for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he died for us. He died for us, and he died that we might live for him uh, and honor him. And if you're a child of God, he's got a place for you. He's got a ministry for you. He's got something for each and every one of us to do. Now, as we look at these, uh, these next uh, verses here, uh, 22, uh, let's see, through 24. Now, these, interestingly, are oftentimes just everyday activities. These are things that take place so you know, often. Uh, the sound of harpists, musicians, uh, trumpeters will not be heard new anymore, and craftsmen will not be heard, the millstone will not be heard. Uh, you know, it's interesting, too, how the devil sometimes can use these common activities to slowly squeeze us into his mold. And you've got to push back against that. It, you know, you, I think the Bible oftentimes warns us about this, about, you know, being, you know, what's, what does Paul say uh, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, uh, where he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that we might know what the will of God is and we might prove that. And so it's important that we don't just go along. Uh, I think Paul speaks about it maybe in Ephesians, that going along by the, the course of this world, uh, just sort of flowing along. You know, it's sort of like, you know, sometimes it's so easy to just go along with the course of things. And we need to push back. You know, in a sense, uh, I remember somebody one time saying, we need to be holy rebels. Not rebels in the sense of rebelling, you know, for rebe rebellion's sake, but just sort of pushing back so that it, we're, we're not just sort of uh, imperceptibly squeezed, you know, into the mold of this world. It's amazing how often it how, how much it takes place, and we, we, it's just, like I said, imperceptible. We don't always realize it. You know, just get out of your Bible. Stay away from Christians for a couple days. And all of a sudden, you open your Bible, and it's just like, boom, wow. And you're around God's people. And all of a sudden, you're just sensing a whole different spirit. And that's why we need to fellowship together. That, that's why we need to pray. That's why we need to read our Bibles. We need to be involved these are, these are things that are proactive. They're not going to just happen by, you know, by circumstance. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that we're around God's people and fellowshipping uh, and reading the Word of God and praying on a regular and a daily uh, type of basis. Don't be squeezed you know, into the world and all the world, what the world wants you to be. That's one of the things that you know, I see so often with political correctness. Sort of try, it, it's like group, group think. And, uh, you know, how the world oftentimes wants us to think in a certain way. But, but it's only, I really believe, as a Christian, do we really think outside the box. And just like, just like, like Romans 12, 2 says, you know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it says we, you know, um, receive continually a diet of the word of God in our lives. We find that our thinking is renewed. We, don't, we do want to think outside the box. We do want to be different, not just for difference sake, but we want to be, we want to be you know, um, correlating our lives with, with, with the Word of God and what God has for us and what God, you know, wants us to be, you know. Uh, sometimes people just want to be different to be, you know, just, they want to be different from the crowd. And sometimes people do some weird things, weird, really weird things to be different. And, uh, and you'll see them out there. They're out there. And, uh, but we want to be different, you know, for Jesus. You know, for Jesus' sake, we want to honor him. We want to honor him with our lips, and we want to honor him with our lives. Now, he says in verse 23 uh, about the whole mar matter of the, bride, the bridegroom. In other words, marriage is going to be canceled, you know, as we know it. And isn't it interesting how the concept of marriage has taken such a beaten lady lately? You know, there's cheating. There's always been divorce. Um, and then there's the redefinition. It's like whatever, you know, it's interesting how, you know, Satan always has a counterfeit that, that he presents to people in order, you know, that people might think, well, if I, you know, here's what, here's what truth says, here's what God says over here, uh, but I know that this is, you know, this is another, this is an alternate, 
Um, but the promise from the devil is it's always going to make you happy. And you know, our, only, our true happiness is in him. It's in Christ. It's not just, you know, it's not in the circumstances of our lives. Because sometimes we get some pretty bad and difficult circumstances in our lives. That's why it's important that we're not just people that are just constantly, you know, that, that's the culture, feeling oriented. That's why so often you hear the term feel. It's all about, you know, the vibe and what you feel and what's going on, what's trendy and, and that sort of thing. But we're to take our lead from him. And one of the things that, you know, really grieves me is how often the world just redefines things. They, they redefine things. And, and you know, it, it's, it deceives a lot of people, even Christians. I've unfortunately had the, the experience of, of watching, in, in my walk with the Lord, watching Christians get deceived. And it's willing. It's, 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 you know, it's not just unwillingly. It, it, you know, Satan oftentimes deceives us. He tempts us with something that appeals you know, to our old self and the old nature. And you capitulate and you give in. And we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful. You know, sometimes we can be extremely careful as a young believer, but as time goes on, as we get into years of our experience with Christ, it's like somehow the, the defense gets lowered. My, my pastor used to say, don't relax the bowstring. And I think there's a, there, there's a the real you know, truth to that metaphor. We have to be very careful. Be careful that you're, you don't go <clears throat> through life without putting your armor on. <clears throat> that you have the sword of the Spirit. You know, that you have the, the, you know, the, the, the breastplate of His righteousness, the shield of faith, and all these things that God, the helmet of salvation. And, and as we go through life, we tend to, well, I don't need that anymore. I remember when I was in Vietnam, and... Uh, as you get about halfway, three-quarters of the way through your tour, you start watching guys do some things that are just kind of, kind of reckless. And I can remember one guy, he took all the Kevlar, um, the flak jackets used to be not like they are today. They used to be sort of like scales. They're layered like scales. And uh, some of the guys would just sort of gut them. They'd take them out because, the, you know, the, 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 the gunny, Sergeant would say, you know, make sure you guys, you know, you, you got your, all your equipment, all your gear on. They sometimes come around and check you and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, the platoon sergeant or whatever. And uh, they, it didn't look like they had their flak jacket on, but it was totally empty. It wouldn't protect them one bit. And I think what happens sometimes is, you know, we get experience in the Christian life. We think, well, you know, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. I've, I'm, I'm okay so, f you know, thus far. You know, I've read, I've read the Bible sufficiently. Uh, I've prayed a lot in my life. I don't really need to do those things as much as I used to. I'll tell you what, the older you get, folks, the more you need to do it. David fell when he was probably about 60 years old. He was semi-retired. Well, he was all the way retired. I remember the remember first Samuel, excuse me, is it first Samuel chapter eleven? I think it is, yeah. It said that he should have been out with the men of war, but he was home, prancing around the palace late at night, and uh, we know the rest of the story. And it's easier to fall the longer you've walked with the Lord, because oftentimes in our, in our Christian youth, we're more vigilant. We need to be very careful. You know, as you look at verse 23 as well, <clears throat> he speaks here about nations. Nations are made up of people, multitudes of people, being deceived through sorcery. You know the word there in the Greek, many of you know it already, it's pharmakia. You know, in this day of tremendous drug usage. And you know the opioid uh, abuse is basically not so much, it's a prescription drug abuse. 
And, and over the years, I've, I've had opportunities to counsel with and minister to people that are on strong psych drugs. Every time, and it's like I finally got the pattern, every time that I would try to break through, there was like a field there. It's like a force field. And if, any, if you know anybody, if you know anybody that, that's, that's pretty much hooked on those psych, psych drugs, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like you can try to, you know, get them to really do your very best. Try to get them to, to trust Christ and walk with Christ, but there's like a force field there. There was even a young man in our church many years ago. Spent time with him. We spent time. We counseled him. He was very depressed. And unfortunately, he took his life. Took his life, went down to his basement, took his life. What a heartbreaker that was. Young guy, probably maybe 40 years old. Be careful that you don't abuse some of these drugs that can even take your pain away. You know, we live in this kind of culture today. I was looking at some statistics. <clears throat> in 2016, there were 42,249 cases of opioid overdose. 63,000 altogether. The other, the other drug overdoses were related to heroin and that sort of thing. And I was just in my car yesterday and heard a statistic for 2017 that it went from a total overdose statistic of 63 to 68,000 in one year. A lot of people out there need the Lord. You know, Satan doesn't care how he takes somebody how he destroys somebody's life. It may, look, it may look on the outside perfectly legal. But it's our adversary, our enemy behind, behind the scenes working. Now I know, you know, certainly it's, it, it's absolutely true that, that you know, uh, there are medications that help people. I understand that. I'm not saying we shouldn't take any prescription drug. But I think we need to be very careful with it. Because it's going to be a, a dangerous thing. And it's so easy, it's so easy and unintentional to get hooked. We need to be careful. Now, looking at chapter 19, throughout this entire tribulation period, we, we get these heavenly interludes. We see what's going on in earth, you know, the, the mess of it all. But then you, you, you get a glimpse of heaven and what's taking place there. Totally different, you know, different situation, uh, a different contrast. And so uh, now we leave here of chapter 18, we leave the misery, <clears throat> and we find this, this great multitude in heaven. They're praising God. They're, they're singing hallelujah, just like we were here this morning. And it struck my attention that we were singing the word hallelujah. When's the last time you read hallelujah in the Bible? This is the only place it's in in the Bible. Guess I kind of overlooked that one, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have it translated in the Greek, hallelujah, but we, 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 we take the, the, the Hebrew translation. And if you were to say, praise the Lord in Hebrew, it would be basically hallelujah. We find the Bible is replete with these exhortations to praise Him. There, there's something about praise That, that's supernatural in the sense that when we praise Him, 
when we worship Him, when we adore Him, that the situations and circumstances of our life, they're diminished. As if for a few moments they fade away. And I think sometimes when we come to worship, or when we have opportunities to worship, we can be so bogged down with the circumstances, the negative things that are going on in our lives, that we miss the moment. And we don't always praise Him because we feel like it. <laughs> That's one of those things where we have to engage our faith. We engage our will. We engage our faith. Not because we feel like it. Because if, if it comes to, you know, we're going to have moments where we, you know, we're feeling kind of good and all that sort of thing. But what about when we're not? And what we see here in chapter 19, we find in these first six verses, we find heaven four different times saying hallelujah. Now in verse 3, we get the second and the third. <clears throat> and what's going on here is heaven is in agreement with what's happened. That this great rebellion has been put down and Jesus is soon about to take his throne. Verse 3, again they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever. And the 24 elders, the four living creatures, they're angels. So we have the glorified human beings. We have angels as well, these eternal creatures. All in agreement, all worshiping, all praising. They fell down and worshiped God, who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And again, they're have, basically, they're rejoicing here because sin basically has finally been arrested. Rebellion has finally been put down. God is taking his rightful place. And that's really what the second coming of Christ is. It's the Lord taking his rightful place. He's the creator. He's the sovereign of the universe. But here he's got this little pocket of rebellion <laughs> called the earth. And we're not involved in that. We once were. I can't speak for you. But I know I sure was. I'll tell you, isn't salvation awesome? That, that God, that... that uh, you know, God can take a rebel. God can just take. Yeah, that's, that's the thing we have to remember because sometimes we get in this subculture mentality. And we forget that God's working in prisons. God's working in the gutter. God's working, oftentimes he's working better, maybe more so, in the poorest, most terrible places where maybe we wouldn't go. And sometimes when the Lord begins to prompt us to go there, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like we're kind of, we got body lock. Lord, you sure you want me to do that? Remember Jonah? <laughs> Remember Jonah? Boy, he was one cranky prophet. Even after they repented, he goes, sits up on a hill, and he's waiting for God to judge him now. <laughs> I, I think we have to be careful. Be careful we don't get an attitude toward the very people that God wants to touch through our life. That's why, you know what, we can't be like the world. Because it's just going to be tit for tat. Somebody does something else, okay, you respond back in that way. Somebody posts something else about us negatively, well, we're going to tweet right back. We're going to give it back to them. We're going to hit them harder. It's not Christ. And again, if I might stress, heaven is not rejoicing because they're perishing. 
You know why I want to share something with you? In Ezekiel <clears throat> 33, there's two verses, actually, one Old Testament, uh, one New Testament. It's Ezekiel, I think it's 33. When Ezekiel says this, let's see, 33, 11. He says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? You know, then over in 2 Timothy, it's 2 Timothy 3.9. And uh, Timothy kind of underscoring, basically, maybe taking a page there um, from, uh, from Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 9. He says, the Lord is not... <clears throat> Well, let me read verse 8, uh, 2 Peter 3, 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. For the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why we need to be faithful to preach the gospel to all. Is all, everyone going to receive? No. But they'll be responsible because why? They heard it. They heard the truth and the word of God spoken into their lives. Now in verse 5 of 19, it says, Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God. Like, you know, just like we were doing this morning. Here, here's a word right from heaven for us. Praise our God. <laughs> Worship him. Why well, will when the circumstances are right? No, you won't. Because you know what? Are they ever right? There's always some kind of distraction, some kind of hindrance, some kind of problem. And believe me, if there isn't any, I'll make one. I know you would never do that. <clears throat> but to praise our God, to worship Him, to bless Him. You know, what's this thing of worship and praise? Really, what, what is it all about? I remember uh, back in the 70s, having just gotten saved, and, and the new experience, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was a wonderful experience, something that I had never experienced in my life, where I would get together with a bunch of other believers, and we would just pray sometimes in a circle, sit on a floor and pray for an hour. And I couldn't wait till somebody just broke out their guitar and we start singing <clears throat> and worshiping. You know, do we have those kind of desires anymore? Do we really look forward? I think it's always sad. Now, sometimes we can be late. That's not the problem. But to always be late where we miss the worship and the song service, not good. It's not good. It's not healthy. Basically, it's an expression of our gratitude toward him. The word praise often, like if you go into the, the, the King James Version, the older version, <clears throat> it's oftentimes... Um, used uh, <clears throat> for the word thanks. To give praise is basically an ex expression of gratitude, an expression where we begin to thank God. Now, it's easy to thank Him for what He's done because God is so good. God is so gracious and so faithful and such a provider. But how about if we move beyond that and just worship Him for who He is? Oswald Chambers has referred to sometimes an attitude that we can develop like a mercenary spirit. You know, to worship and praise him for the thing, all the things that he's doing. But what about when we go through those dry seasons where it doesn't seem like we're questioning, where is God? You know, do we praise him then? We need to praise him then. 
We need to worship Him and adore Him and bless Him for the great and awesome and wonderful you know, God and Father uh, that He is. Over in <clears throat> Luke chapter 19, Jesus is just coming over the Mount of Olives. Some, a number of us were there you know, just a few months ago. And he's coming over and he's making his grand entry. And this is his final offering of himself. This is, uh, uh, Zechariah prophesies of it. That he's going to offer himself, you know, to the people. And so they begin to tear down palm branches, throw them in their clothes, throw their clothes in the way. And they begin to just simply worship him. They're rejoicing with a loud voice. And they're quoting Psalm 118. Where it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And it kind of, I referenced over to chapter um, 9, 19. Because Zechariah 9, uh, excuse me, 9 verse 9 was filled in such an explicit way. Such an open way that Zechariah said that when your king comes, he's going to come riding a little donkey. And he's going to be just in having salvation. So here, several hundred years before this very event takes place, Zechariah prophesied exactly how he would come. And this would be, in a sense, Zechariah describing the last moment of his offering of redemption and salvation to the Jewish nation. But there were some Pharisees there. And not every Pharisee was an evil guy. We see guys like Nicodemus, guys like Joseph of Arimathea. And I think it's in Acts chapter 9, a whole group of Pharisees come to Christ. I think the majority were against him. But they say to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I just don't think they had understanding of what was transpiring, what was taking place. And Jesus basically said to them, I'll tell you, if, these guys, if, if they keep silent, that the stones and the rocks will cry out. That's how important praise is to our God, to our Father. And it makes us appreciative. It makes us appreciative of the simple things, the wonderful things that God is doing in our life. Because I'll tell you what, folks, He's doing them all the time. I think, sometimes, I think we miss a lot, don't we? We miss a lot of his blessings, his provisions, his little things. I mean, more and more, I'm, I'm kind of made aware of that when things come together because, you know, I, I've, I've, I, in my Christian life, I've known a lot of spiritual warfare. More than, more than I care to think about. But when things come together right away, it gets my attention. Wow. Wow, Lord, you were in that. Lord, Lord you did that. And I think God wants us to, to recognize and to honor him and thank him for the many little things that transpire and take place that translate into blessings in our lives in, in, in certain ways. <clears throat> now looking at verse 6 is the final. Um, hallelujah, hallelujah. For the Lord our God omnipotent reigns. So it's basically based here on his sovereign rule. You know, the response of Job <clears throat> is just incredible to me because his response to the Lord in um, um, a time of tremendous loss. I don't, I don't think any of us will ever experience the loss uh, that the man Job experienced. And you know, it's interesting what God said about him. God said that he um, was, there's nobody like him on the earth. I mean, that's, that's quite a testimony from God about a human being. There's nobody like this guy on the earth. And, and that's why, obviously, he was, you know, upright and, uh, and a man who really honored and God that uh, he, he, would, he could endure the kind of suffering. And so his whole family's taken away. His whole business, everything is taken away. And the man is sitting on an ash heap. Even to the point where his wife looks at, looks at him and says, well, man... You know, maybe you just better curse God and die and get it over with real quick. Because no doubt she thought that, man, God is judging you. 
Things aren't always what they appear to be, are they? But I love the response of Job. Tore his robe, indicating his repentance and sorrow. Shaved his head, fell to the ground, and worshipped. <laughs> he didn't just fall to the ground feeling sorry for himself, but he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. And God gave, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that not sublime faith? So exceptional. Because I don't think I could say that. But it's true with any trial, isn't it, that grace comes at that trial? There's a grace of God that comes in a difficult situation where someone can say in the face of their trial, their difficulty, their suffering, praise the Lord. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I thank you that you're in my life. I think praise is so important because it exalts God and not the circumstance. It, it puts him on his rightful place. And it gives us, I believe, a spiritual mindset where we can live above. Yeah, the circumstances are really there. You know, a lot of times when we pray, just we pray that they would all be whisked away. But that's not the reality. But there's a greater reality that you and I can live above the circumstances and the difficulty and still have a gracious, thankful Grateful attitude. I think to the degree where that becomes the witness to those who don't know Christ, they look at you, they look at me, they assess the situation, and they say, why aren't, you know, why aren't they drinking? Why aren't they angry? Why, why don't they just give up? Because we all know, we know our limitations. <clears throat> it enables us to live above those things, and it causes us, I really believe, to consider new heavenly alternatives. Because I'll tell you what, when you, when you and I are worshiping and praising God, you get inspired. We will get inspired as we worship Him, as we praise Him. As we simply recognize His Lordship. You know, Paul said we can have the mind of Christ. In other words, we can think the way Jesus wants us to think that lines up with him. It's very normal. Very normal to think in our human ways. And I'll tell you, sometimes, you know, people can come along and, and, and not really assess what God is doing in your life. Even believers, look at Job. But the Lord wants to lift us above these things, you know, recently I've been reading in the Psalter, the book of Psalms, and I've been reading the last five chapters. And each one of those chapters starts out with, hallelujah, praise the Lord, and ends, 46 through 50, starts out with praise the Lord, which is hallelujah, and it ends with that as well. And in Psalm 147, you know, I was reading uh, 145 uh, the other day. And Psalm 145 is a, is a total psalm of praise. Uh, if maybe if you uh, sometimes in, a, in one of your study Bibles, wherever the case may be, <clears throat> that you will see, you know, little subtitles like that. Um, And maybe you can read it later, but I just want to read Psalm 41, excuse me, 147, rather. It says, praise the Lord, hallelujah. It is good, excuse me, it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant, and praise is beautiful. Maybe your translation has fitting. It's just right. 
It's just right to praise God. And, and don't look for other people to give you that cue. Because even sometimes we as believers, you know, we can be negative. We can get down. For it is good to sing praises to the Lord. For it is pleasant and praise is beautiful. I like what he says next. <clears throat> the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers together the outcast of Israel. You know what? I believe this. That when we praise and honor and worship him, he'll build up your life. He'll build up your Jerusalem. And I like the next verse too. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. I think there's all kinds of benefits that come to us and to the person that is close to God and worships and praises Him. And that's why we need to do it. Not because we feel like it. Because you may never feel like it. You need to engage your faith and your will. Let me, let me encourage you to do this. I, I, <clears throat> when I'm in my garage, I have a radio. And uh, I plug it in to listen to praise music. We've got a little radio uh, in our kitchen. Be careful that you're not becoming addicted to social media and the television. It'll drag you down. I know that's not their intention. But it's just the world. If you're working in an environment where you don't need to be interacting with people, get your little earbuds. And listen to Christian music. It'll build up your spirit. Because there's so much in this world that'll simply tear us down. It'll heal your broken heart. You know, sometimes old wounds can come back. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the great physician and he has the medicine to heal us. But Jesus, in a sense, is sort of like medicine. You got to keep applying it. You got to keep applying. You got to stay close to him. You got to stay in fellowship with him. And sometimes those old wounds. You ever start thinking about maybe something somebody did to you? Hmm. Yeah. Before you know it, you got him by the neck. <laughs> now, I know you wouldn't do that, just me. <laughs> Somebody comes to mind, huh? <laughs> Yeah, they can come back. Jesus is the medicine. Keep applying it. Before we have communion, I want to just read this to you. Actually, uh, in my devotions yesterday morning, I read this little piece. Uh, and it said, it's an it's a, uh, excerpt from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The author says this. There's hardly a Christian who hasn't looked into the future and questioned, what is God's will for my life? Today's verse may be short and sweet, but it's all the answer you need. Be joyful, pray continually, and give thanks, for this is the God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But you don't know my circumstances, I hear you saying. How can I be thankful for pain and heartache? 
God is not speaking to you to be thankful, but to give thanks in it. There is a big difference between feeling thankful and giving thanks. One response involves emotions, the other is, involves your will. Trusting God has absolutely nothing to do with trusting feelings. Also, God's not asking you to give thanks for the tough times, only that you give thanks in them. Give thanks that He is sovereign. He is in control, giving you grace and peace and planning it for your good and for His, his glory. Now, what I didn't want to tell you right up front, this is written by a woman who's been an invalid since she's been 17 years old. Johnny Erickson Tata. Diving accident, 17 years old. Have you ever read any of her books or testimony of what she initially went through when all of a sudden none of us at our age would want to have to experience that, let alone at 17? She said, today's verse became my anchor when I was first paralyzed. I gritted my teeth and I pushed aside feelings of despair and willfully gave thanks for everything from the hospital breakfast of cold cornmeal mush to the grueling hours of daily physical therapy. Many months later, a miracle occurred. I began to feel thankful. My brighter attitude enabled me to give thanks for the greater things. Later on, another miracle happened. I was able to rejoice in my suffering. Finding, specific, find, finding God's specific will for my life was incidental. I happened upon it as I daily focused on 1 Corinthians chapter 5. God's truth is important. We need to be worshipers. Jesus commended that in John chapter 4. He said the eyes of the Lord search to and fro the earth over there in, I think it's Second Chronicles. But in John chapter 4, it says the Father is seeking such to worship him. May that happen for us. And maybe today, this is exactly what that you have needed to hear. Because this is transformational. This can change your entire situation. Because we bring, we don't focus on our circumstances, our problems. Yeah, they're there. They're there. They may not go away for a long time. But God is bigger. God is greater. God is sovereign. He's sovereign in your situation. And you need to, we need to, we need to, as we, as we worship and adore him, we find ourselves freshly inspired. I'm going to ask the ushers if we could please um, come and distribute the elements of communion. Could the worship team come up? Holy, 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 holy. 
With all creation I sing Praise to the King of Kings You are my everything And I will adore you Father, so often, Lord, as we, we navigate through life, Lord, as the scripture says, we, we, we look into a mirror darkly. So many things, Lord, we don't see. And so often, Lord, we find ourselves operating, Lord, by feelings instead of faith. So, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for your reminder how important it is, Lord, to lift up our voice to give you thanks, to give you praise. And Lord, we are so grateful for that gift of salvation. So we celebrate, Lord, what you've done for us. We say thank you. We give you honor. Lord, help us, we pray, to, to walk in this spirit, to walk in truth. Lord, help us, we pray, to, to live, Lord, uh, in that place of, Lord, your will for each one of us. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one that is here this morning. And I pray that, Father, you would put your song within our hearts. Lord, we know for the child of God, the music never dies. Even though at times, Lord, we lose our song. And if that's the case today, we pray that, Lord, you'd reconnect the wires. Lord, place, I pray, your spirit upon us that, Lord, we might have joy once again. That we might hum or whistle or sing because of the joy that you've placed in our lives. So, Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the new life we have in Christ. Let us partake, let us 
partake of the vessels. Thank you, Lord. God bless you all. Let's all stand up.